Thank you for listening to the Fields Brothers Show. Well, Jeff, um, missed a yoga class tonight. <laughs> was Oh, man, I forgot. Yeah. I was yoga class. Yeah, we missed you. Like, Sarah night asked, night. the leader said, where's Jeff? I Where said, you, well. Well, yeah, I'm, uh, I've never been there, so let's clarify that. So I'm not sure. <laughs> I think you're making that part all up. Right, all right, maybe, maybe I made that so up. So where do you okay. go for this Top class? Seed Tennis Club. It's a tennis club that's just a couple miles down the road okay. from us, real handy. And they have a weight room and some exercise rooms, and we don't play tennis yet, although we think we might take up tennis. Uh, Lori and I just go there. To, we go there to work at Limes in the morning. And they have a core class that we go to on Thursday nights, and we have yoga on Tuesday nights. Now, normally, not a lot of men go to yoga, and I will admit I'm the only man in the class. Never mind. When we get to in there, I was at a class the other day where it was like me and one other man and about 12 women. So I'll tell yeah. you about that here in a second. Well, Lori so likes more. for me to go, so I go. But it, it is, you know, it's just the weirdest thing. You just kind of do a lot of stretching and exercise, but by the end of the hour, you are worn out. I mean, it is a workout, so, you know. Just a different kind of workout. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah. So while we're on the subject of health and things like this, the meeting that I was in was health-related. The Where I work, they have these wellness classes every now and then. And I almost never go to them. They're all random topics or whatever. Is this something just that the bank has? Yeah, or yes. Just, okay. Yeah. All right. And so they had one on, it was, a tie, it was about sugar. It was something like sugar, a broken relationship. Okay. And so I learned, and I knew going in, you know, what Did they was speak be bad of much. sugar? They're not big fans of sugar. Oh. <laughs> or that they, I, mean, I might have had one to lady, object, you know. This one lady led it, and, you know, all the places in food will sugar hides. Well, I pretty much knew yeah, that. Right, you know, I know yeah. sugar's in about almost everything we eat if you go. But so that was, um, so I actually, you, be proud of me. I, for lunch today, I went to Pie Five, I got the crust. That's made out of cauliflower. Do you know I they have it? Yeah, I always do that. I got yeah. the cauliflower crust, and I drank water with my pizza. Okay, How's well, that? see that? Yeah, you got <laughs> Is me that there. that hardcore or not? I, I, yeah, that's hardcore. <laughs> I, now, I, I have been there several times. I always get the cauliflower crust, but I usually succumb to sweet tea. I did have tea, sweet tea so. tonight for supper. For yeah, meal, yeah. But so, I mean, I'm, I don't want to throw my body into total shock and, you know, yeah. no sugar. But I'm, I'm trying to make I a legitimate speak, effort to. Speaking to of food, let me tell you this. I came back from uh, – uh, Lake Jackson, Texas, did an event for a church, Lake Jackson, Texas. Near Houston. Houston. Near Houston, south of Houston, about 30 miles south of Houston. So long drive back. Anyway, I was on the road. I was hungry. And, you know, Texas has got these service roads, you know, that run parallel to the highways. Okay, yeah. And right. so the problem is by the time you see something and you get off, you've already passed it. And the only way to get back to it, I saw chilies. I like chilies. Hmm. You know, you have to go under the overpass, circle back around, go to the exit, and go back, loop all the way around to go. That's what and you're going. pulling the trailer, too. So yeah, for so people I, just, to realize I just didn't want to do that. Right. Yeah. I didn't want to do that. So I thought, well, I got you know, the chilies, forgetting that now I'm past the chilies. So I thought, well, there's got to be something else. There's a lot of stuff on this road. I thought, well, there'll be something else to eat. And I saw um, something else I, I was interested in, but it just the parking lot was packed, and right past that, was a Golden Corral, okay? <laughs> now, I'm not already not a huge right. fan of Golden Corral. But I thought, well, you know, how bad can it be? I thought, I'm pulling into Golden Corral. It's been know? a while since I've eaten at a yeah. Golden Corral or comparable type of place. You know, I don't know if there is any comparable type <laughs> of place. I guess the, the ones I knew of are all closed up now that I think about it. Yeah. Ryan's and some of those. But Well, I would say this, you know, I, I mean, I hate to speak disparagingly of a business, but I'd say this is probably a step below Ryan's Golden Corral. Okay. But... But when you go into Golden Corral, here's the thing I noticed. First of all, people who go to Golden Corral 
are serious eaters. They're not there for the ambiance. Yeah. They're not there to chit-chat. They're there to do business with the food. There's a yeah, huge amount that. of food. There's yeah. all, I mean, they really do have a lot of food there. Now, most of it is stuff that I just don't eat or can't eat. I just heard, choose not to. I've heard those things kind of described as a feeding trough. It is absolutely a feeding trough. And you don't want to get in anybody's way. I mean, you know, you, you get up there and you get your food and you get out of the way. And I just, you know, I just, I, that was my last time, I'm telling you right now, at Golden Crown. <laughs> and that's, that's it. I just, the most of the stuff there was just not that healthy. And I didn't, I didn't want to, I got a few, I got some chicken, got some fish, got a few things. But uh, lots of desserts, lots of breads, yeah, lots of stuff yeah. that, you know. That's it for me. Just just declaring it now. This class, my last I did, this, corral. this class I went to, it was like an hour long class. I didn't ask, but I'm pretty sure this it was one, one lady that was actually does not work at the bank. They brought her in. Gosh, she actually lives in Nashville now, but she's like she's told us she was 73 years old and she's in great shape evidently and seemed uh, healthy and active. But I, I'm thinking she just I'm I'm guessing she does not go to Cracker Barrel very yeah. often. I didn't ask. That. Okay, now so, before you speak bad of Cracker Barrel, let me well, just I say didn't, I'm just. Well, saying you're she saying she obviously didn't go to Cracker Barrel. That doesn't sound like a compliment to Cracker Barrel. I'm just saying that I don't eat every. There's a lot of things at Cracker Barrel I won't eat. I mean, you're not going to see me in there doing the the, the biscuits and gravy and occasional pancake. I don't yeah. do that very often, but I'm pretty much you know bacon and eggs. When I go to Cracker Barrel. or like sometimes I get the the haddock if I do lunch. Occasionally the meatloaf, you know. But anyway, so enough about Cracker Barrel, but. Well, anyway, well, one thing. Let me. This little. I've been meant to bring. I was going to bring it up three or four weeks ago, and I thought, well, no, let's, I'll save this for Baton Rouge, and then never ended up. It just didn't. You know, we didn't have time. It wasn't worth bringing up a Baton Rouge and, and all this. So this is a that I, something in the news local that was about probably three weeks ago or so, and it involves a wedding. So since you okay. have a wedding yeah. farm, thought this yeah. might be of interest to you. I don't know if you saw this or not, but there was a wedding on the Saturday afternoon of the first weekend of the NCAA basketball tournament. So Kentucky had won on Thursday, yeah. so they were playing Saturday. Did you see this in the news? No, but I pretty much see where this is going, was, I think. And it was somewhere in Kentucky. I forgot where it was, but I saw a picture that – and the, the time of the wedding conflicted with the time of the game. The time of the wedding, not the reception, the wedding ceremony. So there was this whatever auditorium they were in. I couldn't really tell if it was a traditional church or if it was some other type of auditorium. But I saw a picture. I mean, the bride and groom were up there with the minister in the middle of the wedding – and these posts that are in the auditorium, they have TVs attached to the post, and the game is being played live. So you could attend the wedding, watch the wedding, and at the same time be watching the University of Kentucky NCAA. So they were NCAA showing the game during the ceremony. During the ceremony in the auditorium. Unique. Yeah, that so, is unique. Now, so you might want to consider that here. Corey, well, I guess the advantage you have is you don't do weddings during basketball season because you only do weddings during the, yeah, during the warmer yeah, right. months. They're not playing basketball right, then. That's but, so. But yeah, well, no, but we do it through October though. At the end, I mean, it's the first of basketball, well, but they're, not yeah, during but, the NCAA. Well, yeah. no, they, yeah, they're not. No, they don't even start playing until November. Oh, that's um, true. You don't, you, I mean, they have no scrimmage games, games yeah, or something like that. But, the, uh, yeah. but anyway, I thought that was. I don't know how many places in the country they would have a basketball or TV yeah. screens put up in this in the auditorium. Yeah, that's during hardcore. the actual wedding ceremony yeah. itself. So yeah, yeah true. But, now during football season. Some, a lot of times they'll, you know, of course, they'll have guys listen to the game during the reception and all that. And we, and we are thinking about putting a screen up in the barn where people can watch football games in the mm-hmm. fall during yeah, the reception. That would, yeah, I can see how that you would know. be a conflict in yeah. September. Yeah, all that. yeah, yeah. But not probably not during the ceremony. But anyway. Well, Jeff, I want you to complete this sentence for me, okay? Okay. Are you ready? 
Is, it, okay. is this a spiritual nature? or No, oh. it's not. Okay. I'll just tell you, I'm coming up blank. I'll just tell you my answer to this. I don't know. Okay? But see if you can come up with something. As the Wright brothers are to flying, as the Marx brothers are to comedy, okay. as the Warner brothers are to movies, as the Doobie brothers and Allman brothers are to music, the Fields brothers are to what? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is podcast, but we're a lot more than just podcasting. Not a whole lot more, but yeah. <laughs> these days. So what more are we, Jim? What are <laughs> Give me something here to work with. We, let's see. How many books have we written with? That first one was Breaking the Hex, and then which is available on Amazon, by the way. If you look, Breaking the yep. Hex, Life yep. with God After the cross Religion, available on Amazon. So that was our first book. Yep. Um, yep. Haven't done any other books since then, so that's, our, our, that's, that's our, our only book. book. Yep. And we do a podcast. Um, we've done. We can't say as the field words are to writing. We can't say that as the field words no. are to speaking. I mean, we're not known as speakers. We're not to, known as podcasters either. What to Christians podcasting? Or I don't. Know, I guess that would be all Maybe, I would come up with. Christian that, podcasting or something. I, I don't know. I'm coming up blank. I'm just saying I like to be able to fill that in sometime in our future. Maybe someday we'll have an answer to that. Yeah, I think that's something that other people assign to us that we don't. You know, the, 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 <laughs> we might be waiting a long time for somebody else to decide. I think we might have to do it on our own. We, we, we just, just do what we're doing, and then somebody else, some, you know, somebody else someday down the road will say or think or write. You know, what the Marx Brothers were to what'd you say comedy. comedy? You know, the Fields Brothers are to whatever. So I think we need to let the masses kind of. Let history write let, that for That's us. a good way to put let, it. Let, <laughs> let history oh, write boy. it. And we pretty much totally wasted this uh, first segment on um, non-spiritual stuff. So we'll try to get a little more spiritual on the uh, the backside of this break here. Yeah, you said try, yes. Roger, we're recording this, of course, a few days ahead of time. This will, if all goes well, this will be uploaded on Easter Sunday. So this coming Sunday is Easter Sunday. And it made me think about when you and I both used to be used to preach every Sunday. So mm-hmm. recovering pastors, we've talked about that. And it made me think back to when, and I was wondering your thoughts on this, about sermon, you know, there's certain, now Easter was the easy one and, and the one I kind of look forward to. But are you like me? Some of the other holidays, I kind of wished I wasn't obligated to preach on that particular subject. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> there's times so, when I just didn't do it. T- I'm telling you, there are times when I, I, you know, I didn't have anything to offer for that particular holiday. Now, that I did do Easter, but I just didn't always do it. But the, on, on Easter, well, for the, let's, okay, I'll, I'll be honest here. I've always wondered, too, you know, the, the big thing is on Easter, someone says he is risen, and then you reply back, he is risen indeed. And I'm wondering, okay, why do we just do that one Sunday a year, so to me, uh, it's kind of uh, my little way of rebellion. We have on our our uh, calendar at home. We have these. Teresa made this calendar where she paints, you know, the wooden blocks, and she painted the numbers and got the little things on there. We have one for Easter. Well, I put that on pretty much every month. The first Sunday of every month, I put the, the Easter one up for that because I'm thinking, you know, the resurrection is, you know, we celebrate that every day. So I, I've always. Are you like me? Resisted a little That's bit. That's true, but you to... really are a contrarian. I can tell. I mean, well, you, know, you just kind of <laughs> you got to right. that off. Well, I'm just, well, a little yeah. ways I am. We both are, I guess. Yeah, maybe so. So, were there other holidays that you specifically? Were... There was one holiday I preached a sermon on. One holiday, I bet you never preached a sermon on this particular holiday. Arbor Day. No, I'll get no. to it here in a second. But I mean, like Father's Day, Mother's Day. You know, I kind of yeah. found, found myself wishing that I, I could just preach something. I mean, do you specifically remember a holiday that you did not? No, preach I don't the remember. 
remember, I just remember sometimes thinking, you know, I don't have anything that I'm passionate about to say about this coming up ho- holiday, and I'd like to talk about something else. And occasionally I did. Occasionally I just ignored I guess the holiday. The ones, were, just, yeah. the ones where I felt I pretty much had to and did were you know, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Sometimes Christmas you're expected a whole yeah. month's worth. Right. But, um, and then Easter, because Easter was the, the, the easy one. But one time, though, um, a Sunday happened to fall on April 1st. April Fool's Day. So you did April Fool's. So I, I, there's a yeah. So I thought of the chapter of Psalm. I think Psalm 53. The fool has said in his heart, "There is no God." So I thought, okay. Yeah. I got reading that chapter. I think it's like six verses, not a very long chapter. Mm-hmm. And I really got into it. I got studying that chapter. I mean, you probably found this way too. You know, you really get into studying a chapter. Yeah, yeah. It kind of comes alive and yeah, it becomes yeah. kind of your favorite part of the Bible at that yeah, time. Yeah. Well, I actually got into it so much. I preached a three-week series on April Fool's Day, basically. You had just an April on, Fool's series, uh, yes, on that chapter. Huh. So, I mean, I don't know how I built it, but it was, you know, huh. basically, well, you know, I found too much for one sermon. I only preached twenty or twenty-five minutes on the Sunday morning back then. So, yeah. but I actually had a three-part series on Psalm fifty-three, essentially. But um, well, and I still cool. still remember that a little bit. No, so I don't think I ever did but, that. But uh, I have something for you, Jeff. I want, I want to talk about you know you know that in um, some major cities like New York, for instance, you can get what they call you can get knockoff items. You know, brand name items that aren't legit. Like yes. you can buy a Rolex yeah. for you know a few dollars. That's yeah. a, not a real Rolex. You can get Dooney and Burke knockoffs, which are like. And I've been in one of the. I can visualize one of the streets in part of Manhattan, not Midtown, but more toward Lower Manhattan. I forget the exact street where yeah, it's just filled with. Store after st- vendor after vendor after vendor. And, yeah. I guess that's true. There's stores too, not just vendors, street vendors, but stores that sell this stuff. Too, Rob, well, sometimes there's kind of a the difference between a store and a vendor kind of blurs at times yeah, in some well, of those places. But sometimes Nike, they'll have fake Nike shoes and all you know. But purses and it's usually a lot of yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of women's accessory yeah. stuff, you yeah. know. But the Nike Rolex was the first probably, real yeah, knockoff probably, thing, but yeah. you know. But I think that um, one of the things that that I think we talk about a lot is the fact that, you know, what's, what's presented as the gospel a lot of times is not really the gospel. And so I, I could say that it's really a knockoff gospel. It's not the real thing. I like that phrase. And it's kind of like this. I would say it this way. The knockoff gospel. Here's how I can tell the knockoff gospel. It's not the real thing. You know, it's salvation without full acceptance by God. Like maybe you're going to heaven, but God is still really put out with you, a little mad at you, doesn't accept you. Uh, in the knockoff gospel, your forgiveness is limited um, to your past. You're on your own with anything you do after you come to the Lord. There's always a limited uh, forgiveness. There's a faith without freedom. You know, there's no freedom to be yourself, to um, you know, just be who God made you to be. And there's really cross becomes a symbol without power. You know, I think it's, it's it's kind of the symbol of our faith, but there's no real relevant significance to the cross in day to day life. We just don't see that it changed anything. And there, so, there really is the power. I mean, that made me think of dilution. You know, we may have used that word before about when it's just the gospel mixed with something else yeah. loses its power essentially. And I mean, there's a lot of 
that's true in chemicals and things like yeah. that, that that have to be pure to be powerful, and yeah. then they get diluted, they're no longer that potent. And See, so I would say not only is it sometimes it's diluted, but sometimes it's just stripped of certain things. Yeah. Like, for instance, <clears throat> you know, forgiveness just doesn't include anything you do. It's not all, you know, it says in the Bible we're forgiven of all sin. Well, in the knockoff gospel, you're not forgiven of all sin. You're forgiven maybe of sins you committed before you became a believer. After you become a believer, you're on your own. Matter of fact, I want to read this to you. This is, um, I saw this posted, and I thought, wow. <clears throat> Somebody posted this on Facebook. They were upset that people were celebrating people coming to the Lord. And um, so here's how, here's how it says. I'll just read this as it is. It says, you talk a lot about how many people you're, you've saved. And, and, that's, and I do have a little bit of a problem with people who are always bragging about how many yeah. people came to the Lord. I kind of get that <laughs> statement. You know, so, I, remember yeah. a, I remember a poster at, at a, in Bible college advertising a revival from a well-known preacher in, in yeah. Wichita at the time. And in the revival poster that he had baptized over so many thousands yeah, of people. Yeah. And I do have a little <laughs> issue with that. So yeah. I get that. But it says, yet there are people that Jesus Christ hasn't even saved yet. That you've misinterpreted the gospel of Jesus Christ because you don't want to teach those those whom you think you've saved that water baptism is only the beginning. If they are still sinning, they aren't saved. Why won't you tell them the truth? They deserve to know the truth. They deserve to know that there is another baptism, one of fire. And if they are still sinning, Jesus hasn't saved them from anything. Stop celebrating. So it's you're forgiven as long as you don't sin. Right. That's you're forgiven of your right. sins as long as you don't sin. Yeah. <laughs> and don't celebrate this because yeah. unless you've endured to the end, that's the scripture they use later, the, you know, the scripture about enduring to the end. So if you haven't endured to the end yet, you can't celebrate anything. You don't know if you're saved or not. The other thing I thought, you know, there was a, I don't know if I've mentioned this in another podcast, but there was a, a discussion I read on Facebook about, Oh, it was about security, eternal security and all that. So everybody's weighing in on what they believe. As long as there's Facebook, we're going to have material for, oh, for a podcast. So. And, I, you know, and I have pretty much just stopped getting into these discussions because I just don't yeah. enjoy bantering theology on social media. So I kind of just – I read what other people read say, and that's kind of it. But basically, <laughs> this lady posted, she said, you know, if, if, you, if you get saved – and you're still sitting, you're going to hell whether you're saved or not. I think I did mention this before. And I thought, you know, she didn't even say you lose your salvation. You just go to hell whether you're saved or not, you know. And I so thought, they saved people in hell. That's what she, I guess saying, so. I guess oh, and so. one other thing, let me tell you the funniest thing I heard on the radio. You know, there's a lot of this, <laughs> there's a lot of these companies now that are helping people get out of their timeshares. Okay. okay. Yeah, you and this just struck me as so week. funny. Okay. This way, this guy said this, and he said it like he was not trying to be funny. Okay. He's a guy who used to be a salesman for timeshares, who is now has a company helping people get out of their timeshare. And he said this just matter of factly. He said, I sold a timeshare to a lady. And he said, I realized that was a low point of my life, and I didn't want to go to hell for selling timeshares. <laughs> and so I'm now helping people. I'm thinking, that was just an interesting way of thinking of it. You know, it's like it's like in hell you're going to have your murders, your rapists, your extortionists, and your timeshare salesmen, salesman. you know. So I don't know. That just struck me as odd. Well, that's – yeah, I mean that's um, – the forgiveness is such a key thing to this whole yeah. deal with the new covenant. And that is, uh, you know, the idea that we're not – I mean I, I, what you described there and, and, you know, get the idea that there's a lot of people that – and it's sad that, you know, people are – there's – teachers and preachers that other people are looking up to yeah. to give them the truth and tell them the truth that are not hearing the truth. Now, I have other elements of this knockoff gospel. I'm going to share with you on okay. the other side of the break. i got one other term, too, that's very similar that All I right. came across last week. Okay. 
Well, here's some other elements of the knockoff gospel. Tell me if you agree or disagree with this. It's good news becomes good advice. Yeah, um, that, that's a distinction that kind of really resonated with us when we were writing yeah, the book. Yeah. It was the, um, the fell in Florida, the uh, – forget the name of the book, uh, something grace um, that we both read about that time. Yeah. And he's the one I think read that someone actually – he was quoting somebody else that said, you know, yeah. your sermons ought to be – Essentially, good news, not good advice. So, and most sermons, I think, are more good advice. But uh, relationship, instead of relationship, it be, relationship becomes obligations, uh, principles, steps, you know, guidelines. Mm-hmm. We're always coming up with new set of, and we don't say rules. You know, we don't call it that. We'll call it well. These are principles. You know, these are spiritual steps. Uh, the cross is an unfinished work. I'm going to talk more about that a little bit later. But uh, in the knockoff gospel, your righteousness is mostly just self-generated. It's how you're doing, how you are living, what you're producing. In the knockoff gospel, your acceptance with God is always conditional. God accepts you. I mean, you may be going to heaven, maybe. But he, he, you know, your acceptance and your relationship with him is, is conditional about how you're doing. How are you doing that week? How are you living? Are you doing stuff you ought to be doing, not doing the other things? It's always conditional. And, and for me, that, that included, you know, is he really going to be blessing me? Am I going to be experiencing right. the fullness of his blessing that right. I thought was contingent on how I was doing? So right. for me, it was, I, I probably would have said, yeah, he fully accepts me. But his what he's able to do in my life is kind of like the pipeline stopped up by my yeah. sin or whatever. And I conclude, no, he, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Right. And if he freely gave that, then freely give us all other things. So. And the ways of sin is death. It's not lack of temporal blessing as you're going through this life. And, you know, Jesus died, as Andrew Farley says, Jesus, ways of sin is death. Jesus died, do the math and celebrate. celebrate. Yeah. Nothing similar to that. I heard Andrew say recently, made a great point on discipline. We've talked some about this, that discipline is with an eye toward the future. He pointed out that we are always under God's discipline, that we are not, you know, we are always, you know, God's discipline is never a reaction to what we did. Right. Uh, it's a punishment that way. But we are always, you know, so we are always under discipline. You know, the, the way you often hear about it is kind of like, oh, you don't want to fall under God's discipline. So you yeah. want to stay in yeah. the straight and near so you won't fall. Well, no. God's always training us right. with an eye toward the future. Right. And his, and his training, his discipline is not a reaction to what we've done. So, yeah, that's a great point, too. And then another um, characteristic of the knockoff gospel is your attorney is always in question. You know, for people who are in the knockoff gospel, you never know for sure how it's all going to pan out. And then lastly, you know, being in Christ becomes something else, becomes following Christ from behind. And so say that again now. Instead of being in Christ, Mm -hmm. you end up just following Christ from behind. You're a follower, you're tagging along, and you don't hear people say that you're, if if you're into the, uh, you know, a substitute gospel, what we call the knockoff gospel. You don't talk about being in Christ. You talk about, well, be, you're a follower. You're just kind of yeah. tagging along, following Christ, and which is not the term that's used after the cross to talk about believers. Yeah, we've talked some about that, but I, it's worth talking about again, the idea of that concept of following. And, and there's, it's not that it's totally wrong yeah. or totally bad, and there, and there can be some people. But I yeah. think to the – someone who really doesn't know what it is to be in Christ, it just leaves the wrong impression. It yeah. implies there's a separation there. And, you know, it's a one very question, weak term. It's just a weak yeah, description. I mean, one question I would ask of a believer, okay, do you ever not follow Christ? Yeah. Well, if someone says, well, sometimes I follow Christ and sometimes I don't, 
then what's that mean? Does yeah. that mean Christ went on this direction and you stayed behind? So, I mean, that's, that's where the separation comes and what in. what if Jesus comes back on a day when you're not following? Yeah. That, how, you know, how's that going to pan Jesus out? turned left and I went straight. Yeah. Instead of turning yeah. left with him or turning right. Or the idea that, I think I mentioned before too, I think we could just as easily Jesus follows us. You know, again, the first Corinthians, you know, when the, when the Corinthians were having problems with immorality, you know, Paul didn't say, well, you need to, you know, don't you know if you keep up this, you're going to go to hell? Or, you know, he didn't say you got to get back to following Jesus. He said, you know, you're basically inviting, you know, the members of your body. You're joining the temple of God right. with someone who's immoral. Right. And so basically it's saying, you know, whatever we do, yeah, the spirit is there in, in us and Christ is in us. And so we're joining him with whatever we do. Yeah. So, yeah, with that. Yeah. Well, anyway, I said, I said before, too, that, you know, the term follower um, – as is the term even disciple, was a term that was used before the cross. And to take the term follower, that was the term that was not – we use it metaphorically today. We're metaphorically following Christ. Mm-hmm. In the Gospels, it was literal. I mean, Jesus says, we're going to, to Bethsaida. They followed him to Bethsaida. They literally followed him around yeah. um, Judea. And so um, it's just not used. One time Paul says, be a follower of me as I follow Christ in relationship to suffering. I've suffered, Jesus suffers, you yeah. have suffered, you know. So, anyway, there uh, the term I read the other day was very similar to this. Was the idea of a lemon, like in cars? You know, you have a car that looks nice, but it's a lemon, yeah, because it's not it doesn't run very well. And so, the, and so I read some place. I don't know. I don't know if the exact term was the lemon gospel, or it might have been that. But that's kind of what you're saying. It, it, yeah. it, um, it looks like one thing on the outside. It looks like the real thing, and that's where you know that's where Satan works is in deception. Yeah, you know, for the most part, Satan doesn't work in overt out and out although you know sometimes he does you know things that are obviously uh wrong and satanic or immoral or whatever but but often works as masquerades as an angel of light see i would say would you agree with this i would say satan is not so much focused on getting people to sin as he is it is it deluding the gospel taking the good news of the gospel away from people's faith or focus I, i would agree and paul's you know paul was downright angry at in Galatians 1, you know, he didn't soft-pedal that at all. He was uh, angry with them than he was with the Corinthians, and the Corinthians were far yeah. more immoral than the, uh, the churches of Galatians. In terms of outward immorality yeah. and things like yeah. that. But he, and then, of course, then he, later on Galatians talks about the works of the flesh. So even when we try that, sometimes the immorality eventually shows up down the road yeah, right, um, right. when we're going that way. Right, but, right. Hey, another thing I just want to tell you, too, that um, you know, I, I mentioned last week that uh, um, Shana, my third daughter, was oh, yeah. uh, taking the – getting her bar results, and she passed the bar, so we're all yes. excited about that. And uh, they don't tell you how much you passed by. You just know that you passed. You don't know if yeah. you barely squeaked by or if you aced <laughs> it. You don't know. And But uh, she passed the Virginia bar, which is a pretty big deal. It's a pretty tough bar exam, and they has, it has reciprocity with some other states because very some happy, other states. Very happy for her. So, I'm also, I, yeah. I keep asking you to uh, ask about your um, your dog, uh, Sedona. Sedona. We, have to tell, we need a Sedona update. How is well? Okay. How are you and Sedona getting along? Real well. She's just growing a little bit. We now have a electric fence, those underground fences. Yeah. And so she's learning not to get anywhere near. You put the little flags up to show where the fence is so they kind of have a visual. So she's learned not to get anywhere near those flags. Got there a couple of times and she let out a big old yelp. And so she, she wears a collar. She wears a collar. It'll give that, her a buzz if she okay. goes over that line. And so, uh, but yeah, she's doing pretty well, actually. You know, she's very still incredibly playful. Sleeping okay, and pretty much. I mean, she would put her. In, she sleeps in the kennel. She getting the hang of 
how do I want you know where to go to the I don't know yeah, pretty you know, much where yeah. to, when not certain things she's supposed to do outside and not inside the house yeah. and all that yeah she's getting the house trained and all that yeah so, yeah pretty much yeah. I mean occasionally she'll get she's really funny too she you know she's just so excited for attention so if somebody new comes in the house she just goes crazy with excitement so and she a lot of times will pee on the floor okay and so <clears throat> I have to. Take the visitors around to the back patio and then take Sedona out the back boat to meet the new people and show on the patio right there. You know, she's just so, so excited. So that's, uh, that's kind of her way of – that's a compliment in her culture. Yes, it is. In her world, that means total acceptance. I love you. And thank you for coming to see me. I guess that's what it means. I don't know. I don't know if there's some spiritual analogy we could draw but from that. Sedona is an Aussie doodle, for those who don't know. Solid black. And uh, she is a cute dog. And uh, – She's doing good. Well, there's something I read that maybe I'll bring it up on the next side of the, uh, the break. That I, I, and this is more uh, about grace. I want to talk about grace and something that I hadn't read before to recently regarding grace that I, I found fascinating. And right. Get your thoughts on that here in a minute. All right. Roger, actually got a couple different things, but what I read the other day, um, and I didn't. I probably should have gone back and studied a little bit more before bringing it up here. But I'll, I'll go with what I remember on grace is essentially the idea that grace is a person, that grace is Christ. And basically it was put as Jesus Christ is the face of grace, just as God the Father is the face of love. Now, obviously love, you know, God the Father doesn't have a monopoly within the Trinity on love. We read the love of Christ and and fruit of the Spirit is love and all that. But the idea, and what was fascinating to me, there are several scriptures, and I and I saw them and read them. Out. This is pretty deep stuff here. Well, okay. well, I, let me, I'm here. trying to follow <laughs> this. Okay, but the idea there are a lot of scriptures in the New Testament that use, if you if you compare them, that use grace and Jesus Christ pretty much interchangeably. Really, you know, from by grace are you saved? Well, Jesus is referred to as the Savior. Um, Acts talks about the gospel of grace. Well, there's other verses that talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, I am what I am by the grace of God. Well, obviously, then there's other verses that are, you know, say something a little bit similar with Christ. So the idea is that, and where I'm going with this is the grace is not a cold doctrine, and it, and it's not a peripheral. It's not right. one right. of a I bunch of with doctrines. That. that I'm with you. Not, okay. not, are you still okay. awake here? I'm awake. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm trying to follow this. I'm trying to. I'm processing this. So when we talk about grace, you know, different aspects of life in Christ get emphasized in certain groups. And so someone may be more into, you know, I don't know, I don't know what the gifts of the spirit or some may be in, you know, and, uh, mission work or whatever these things. But, but when we talk about grace, you know, grace is not just one more thing right, within okay. the circle of what it is to be in Christ. It's not grace. just a, an aspect of God or a character. It pretty much God. encompasses everything that's in Christ that, you know, the law came by John 1. The law um, was sent by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So he was the well, personification. The word, in the, word, in the Bible, for grace means a gift, right? Something that's given. Yes, yes. So really, he's talking about anything that God gives. And of course, he first of all gave right. Jesus. And every, well, and everything he gives us is in Christ. And, you know, he, there's really nothing that he gives us that's not in Christ. So every gift that he has is in, in him. So just the idea that, that grace is not just some pet doctrine that we're kind of gung-ho on that that you can overemphasize too much. You know, I don't think you can emphasize grace too much any more than you can emphasize Christ too much. Hmm. That's kind of the point. And, and I still go back to that phrase in Acts, the gospel of grace. I think that's significant, that 
The gospel itself is referred to as the gospel. Well, you know, of one of the criticisms of people like us, Jeff, is that some have said, "Well, we're just hyper grace." You know, that's one of the new buzz terms. Yeah, I don't know some, that we've, we've and some people we've never that. talked about this before. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think so some yet. people, have, you know, Paul Ellis embraces that term. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a big fan of that term. Um, I think it, it kind of implies that you just kind of you've got grace all out of whack or something. I don't know, but uh, um, it's it's the implication is also we believe in too much grace. Yeah, which know? is. I, it's hard to see that when you read the New Testament that you yeah, believe too much grace. Yeah. It's now, hard if you have to, a wrong view, I think that comes from people having a wrong view of grace. That yeah, you can have too yeah. much of some stuff that they're calling grace, right. but the actual grace is described well, again. It's kind of like Christ. Again, okay. You have too much Christ. See, so here's here's how I would answer that question. Okay. Here's what I think. Everything I believe. Now, you tell me if you agree with this or not. That most every most every theological doctrinal discussion or debate, opinion, comes down to one big question, okay? and that is this. And I think grace even comes down to this. And I would say maybe it's the most important question for you know, a believer or anybody to, to grapple with, and that is, is the cross a finished work? Mm-hmm. See, if the cross is not a finished work, then I can see where somebody can say, "Well, you're, you have too much grace. You know, you're, you're putting, too, you're mixing too much grace into whatever needs to be mixed after the cross." Mm-hmm. If you believe the cross is a finished work, which I do, I believe it's a done deal, finished work. It not only finished the price for our salvation, but it finished everything. It's it's our acceptance of God. It's the relationship, uh, complete forgiveness. It's it, it. I believe what Jesus did on the cross was a finished work. And we've before, I think we've used Scripture. In our book, we use the Scripture in John 19.30. Jesus even said it is finished finished. before he died. He wasn't talking about his life is finished because three days later he resurrected. So something was finished on the cross. Something was completed. And I would say it's the whole gamut of everything involving our relationship with God, our acceptance, our salvation, forgiveness, everything. It is done. Now, if you don't believe that that's a finished work, if you do not believe, if you believe Jesus' death on the cross was kind of a down payment, mm-hmm. which is kind of the way I used to look at it. It's kind of a down payment. You pay for something. Or you pay for 90% yeah, and we just pitch in the last 10% and we got to do like something else. Yeah. We've got to make payments for this. Or if, if it's not complete, if there's anything left, if it's 99% mm-hmm. paid for, 99% completed, what's in that 1%? What is it? And so that becomes... I think what a lot of Christianity has become today is what's in that last little bit that Jesus didn't finish. And what then, principles, what obligations, what whatever. So it boils down to who is Christ and what did he do? Right. And so, right. and so that speaks to that. So did he finish that or not? It makes me think of the verse, and sometimes people will bring up Matthew 5, 17, where, you know, oh, but wait a minute, Jesus said he didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it, to which I say, and he did. He did, right, exactly. That's what Hebrews talks about. He, 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 he did it. He didn't yeah. come so that we could keep it. Right. It's kind of like people read that. Yeah. I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And they read that and think, well, okay, he's still trying to fulfill it, and we're still trying to fulfill it, yeah. and, and well, all it's this. Like, well, oh, yeah, it's like what's well, left up to us to fulfill the law. Yeah. You know, and doesn't say it. But to me, if you, if you believe that the cross is a finished work, 100% total finished work, God came in the form of his son Jesus, paid the full price by his death, burial, and resurrection, completely paid everything, then it's hard to have too much grace. Yeah. 
I mean, grace is pretty much the whole ball game. Then, I mean, it's about what God has given. That's what grace means. That's everything. And so, to me, there's two big questions. I, we might get the next one next week, but the two biggest questions you grapple with, I think, in even interpreting Scripture and in your walk with God, is: Do you believe that the uh, the cross is a finished work? And so, it's like we I think we use the the illustration in the book about somebody gives you a Ferrari, you know, it's brand new, you know, what, several hundred thousand dollar Ferrari, and you take this, it's a free gift, they give it to you, but you think, well, it needs a little t- work right here, and you try to sand it a little bit, and you repaint some of it, and all you say, well, no, it's finished, it's complete, it's done, it's an incredible car. Well, salvation is a much better gift than a Ferrari, you know, it goes way beyond that, but it's something that is complete, something that is finished, God gives it as a gift, it's just, it's, it's, that's why they call it good news. And that's you know reminds me of the verses we've talked about that in First Corinthians I came to you knowing nothing but Christ and Him crucified. I thought about this the other day of how I don't think I mentioned this to you, but it struck me of how public the cross was, how visible the cross was. So much of what Jesus did was not necessarily done for publicity's sake. I mean, there was a people there, and sometimes there would be a crowd, but he wasn't. And sometimes not. And right. sometimes not. Sometimes just one person, you know, right. a woman at the well or there whoever, things like this. And then generally he would kind of shy away from the overt public scenes. But the cross, when you think about it, I mean, physically, yeah. lifted up in the air, yeah. above the earth, I mean, it is so visible, so public. Yeah. And I don't think that's a coincidence. So I think yeah. it fits into what you're saying yeah. that that, and the idea that um, you know, if I be lifted up, I will draw men unto me. Lifted up, and it specifically says refers to the type of death he would die on the cross, right. and gets back to the Moses and the serpent in the, the wilderness in the Old Testament, looking up at that. And like that, we said many times before, it, you know, it's it's shocking. Or do we study how many things changed after the cross? Yeah. So many issues. We're not going to go through them right now, but just the cross just changed everything. One little thing we we. And I was going to bring this up when we talked about the other day that I think we grew up realizing or being told and believing that the new covenant is better than the old covenant. But for us, the primary benefit was we don't have to offer animal sacrifices. I actually now. thought that for a long time. It's, I thought that. I mean, that's what, okay, that's the good news. And well, yeah, I mean, I'm glad we don't have to. I mean, how do you do that anyway? I don't, I don't know where to get a lamb. I don't, I don't have any bulls, bull lambs, <laughs> nothing. I thought, right. well. So that was that was kind of what we grew up thinking, yeah. that that's the good news. Okay, yeah. we don't have to animal sacrifice, yeah. offer animal sacrifices anymore. Well, I'm sure glad of that. Yeah. But that is just. Yeah, that's not That's even just a drop of the ocean. I mean, the good news the of the gospel yeah. is so much more than that, and it's all, all comes well, from the cross. Well, let me ask you this. Okay, so if you let's say you, if you believe, which we do, that the cross paid everything. The cross is a finished work, nothing left to do. So then what's on the other side of it? Like, So then what does that um, release or produce? And I would say there's a whole lot, but let me give you a couple things I have to define. One is it just frees you to receive God's love. It frees you to believe mm. God loves you. You know you're forgiven. That's you know everything's totally settled. out of the end of the thing. Everything's settled. Yeah. And I think it frees you to have love. You have love, receive God's love, love of other people. It, it, it frees you to be joyful. You can have a little happier life if you believe it's all paid for. Mm-hmm. You can have peace. So lo and behold, I recognize this list. This is the fruit yeah, of the I was Spirit. Say, yeah. yeah. That that's what that becomes a fruit of that. Um, and then one other, just it frees you to have an authentic relationship. Because what's really left is a relationship. The obligations, the guidelines, the principles, all that's gone. It's relationship from this point on. And as we in the Galatians 3.1 talks about the focus on the cross, and I've thought about this recently, you know, 
it's you know we're not told to focus on the resurrection now you know yeah don't anyone get us wrong obviously if christ be not risen our faith is in vain so the resurrection is absolutely important yeah, right, and right, essential but, and all that yeah. and his life is in us but in terms of what we focus on i think the resurrection is god's power kind of he does that in our life without us focusing on that right. but as we focus on the cross and what happened there that leads to and that's the what the book of Hebrews really says. The book of Hebrews really focuses on the death of Jesus and what was accomplished by that sacrifice, mm-hmm. one sacrifice for all time that provides forgiveness. So anyway, let me call one last verse. Okay. Uh, Romans one sixteen. still love this. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So it's in the gospel, that's the power of God, not some principle, not some step, not some guideline. <laughs> So, Jeff, you may tell Sarah that she'll be at yoga next week. <laughs> no, I, w- I will not be. I've got another board meeting. This have you ever done? Have you ever tried it? I know yoga kind of has a bad rap. I've, done some, I've, that, I've done some stretching exercises before on a video deal one time. They had you know different days. And a video deal? So. Well, yeah, you, you had a video program. A DVD. A DVD for you know, I was doing some exercises at home, and one of the things was on. On stretching. You know, well, this is like more than stretching. Things. I mean, it's not just stretching. There's exercises. I mean, I'm worn out. So, well, good for you. I'm glad you're worn out. Uh, so I'm assuming I shouldn't be telling Sarah that she'll be showing up at yoga class. Correct. The other thing, I still find myself laughing all week long whenever I think about this phrase, farmer at heart. I, I still get a kick out of this lady calling you a young lady calling you a farmer at heart. <laughs> okay. All right. So if you're going to go after that, then next podcast, we're going after your golf addiction. <laughs> <laughs>